0: Your host,
1: the voice and those are the songs of my guest James House. You'll recall his country hits from the 1990s including This Is Me Missing You, A Real Good Way to Wind Up Lonesome and Little by Little. He's also a songwriter on hits for the likes of Martina McBride, Dwight Yoakam, Diamond Rio and many others. He joins me now to talk about his latest album called "Songwriter's Serenade. Welcome to the show James. Thanks Dave, thanks for having me. It is so great to have you here. We have a lot to talk about, including uh, the album, of course, and some of those songs that you've written. Uh, The the artists I mentioned in those songs are Broken Wing, Ain't That Lonely Yet, in a week or two. Uh, We'll get the stories behind those songs. But first of all, congratulations on the success of the duet. It's you and Natalie Noon. You wrote the song together, uh, and our, our duet partner's on it. It's called Over Getting Over You.
0: Um, thank you. It's, it's a great surprise. I it, uh, it, uh, sent it out to a few people, and, and uh, our friend Cameron uh, sent it out also. And it just kind of mm-hmm. people responded to it around the country. They they even created
1: a dance to it over in the UK. So that's um, spreading around. Thanks. Isn't that great? And, and James, it must be something each time you release a song uh, in the past and present, because you can be confident, and your team can be. Uh, what kind of a great song you have in your hands, but until you get it out there to the public and to radio, I guess you can't be sure uh, how it's going to go over.
0: Well, um, first of all, it's just just getting it heard, because there's so much music out these days, and um, and it, it, you just have to get heard first. And then and then if you're getting the song heard, and you get it heard two or three times, it gives people a chance to, uh, to live with it and vote on it, see if they like it or not. Um, that one was... Um, uh, I, I was scheduled to write with uh, Natalie Noon. Her, uh, her, you might, some people might recognize her Herman's, uh, uh uh Peter Noon of Herman's Hermits. and uh, mm-hmm. She's just been in here in Nashville for a while and she's a wonderful artist. and I, I'd heard her sing over the years and um, she'd come sit in with, with us at the Bluebird, me and Danny Flowers. And, and then she uh, did a showcase in town and really got to hear what she was doing with the band and I just was knocked out with it. So um, I asked her if she'd come over and write a song and uh, just about 20 minutes before she walked in the door, that title I'd had that title of hanging around for a while, but it just kind of popped back in my head and I went, "Oh, this could be perfect." And uh, had no idea the voices would blend at all. But uh, so she walked in, I said, "Are you game? You want to try this?" And you know, writing a duet is, uh, is, is you know it's an interesting way to write. You have to write back and forth to each other. So no, mm-hmm. that's what happened that day. It was exciting,
1: fun. Isn't that great when it's something that you don't plan and it happens uh, in that moment? And I do love that title. It obviously fits the song, but it's just a great hooky title over Getting Over You. So that's, uh, I guess you're off to a great start, James, when you have a good title like that. Yeah,
0: sometimes, you know, a title, um, well, you know, He Stop
1: Loving Her Today. You know, those mm-hmm. are just, uh, the, you know, if you grab a
0: great title, uh, Ain't That Lonely, it was good. We, we had a good title there. We knew we would. Uh we were um had something to write about. And yeah, that that song kind of tells you what you what you want to write about. And that's um yeah. That's you got half the battle done.
1: That's right. Well, your voices do go so well together the two of you and we're going to hear the song a bit later in the show. So the new album is yeah. called Songwriters Serenade. It's at iTunes. Uh people can learn more about you at jameshousemusic.com. Uh when you were putting together this album, was it tough to narrow it down James to the 10 songs that ended up on the album? <laughs> Yeah, I probably wrote sixteen. Um you just kinda keep going
0: and I'd play it for friends and uh, uh trusted ears and, and they'd say and I'd you know, I'd walk in and go, This is what do you think of this one? They go, Well the other two are better, you know. So I'd go, oh, okay. <laughs> um <laughs> uh, so you've gotta have those kind of ears around you, you have to have people around you to trust because when you're writing everything you you know, you really hope it's a hit. So you put your hopes and all oh, that energy mm-hmm. into it. But you know, the uh, the opening song, the title track came from, I was sitting backstage at WSM Radio here in Nashville, getting ready to go on the air. And for some reason, more often than not, I get ideas just before I go on stage or just before an event like that because you're kind of keyed up and music's, you know, you're sitting and rehearsing and stuff. So that popped in my head over there, that title and that piece of music. And I had become friends over the years with a guy named Danny O'Keefe. who's one of my favorite all-time singer-songwriters. He wrote uh, a, a classic and recorded a classic called Good Time Charlie's Got the Blues. It was a mm-hmm. smash in the 70s and I did something about that title. I thought maybe Danny would want to write this, so I sent the music out to him and he sent back the lyric and and so the, the title track kind of went, well, maybe this is what this album should be about. Um so I started calling we started talking about, you know, getting a hold of some friends, uh, Past and and some Writers I really wanted to write with, and um, Jamie Johnson was one, and um, Mike Reed. Um, so that's that's how the record kind of took shape. So it really almost came down to the songwriters. I picked my favorite guys, so I got to write with <laughs> um, and,
1: you know, When, when mom, you first Daniel. started co-writing way back, what was that experience right. like to get used to, James? Is it for, for anybody who may not have co-written, who is listening, who might just write on their own, well, what are the benefits and what are the challenges of co-writing?
0: Well, one of the things as a co-writer, you, you need to be open to let something happen in the room. If you go in with an agenda and just try and get your way in a song, you, you're not taking advantage of the situation in the room. You're not allowing the other talent to, to come forward. And uh, there's, there's just a little dance you do when you're co-writing. You, you, sometimes somebody comes in with, like one writer will come in and say, I've got something just burning a hole in me, will you help me? Um, and, and then there's the other times you both come in with a couple of s- snippets, and you see what happens in the room. And, and uh, more than anything, that's uh, I think it's key. Uh, you know, I was as a kid growing up, the Beatles were just one of my influences, and it was Lennon and McCartney. So um, mm-hmm. co-writing, I thought, well, this is great because you've got somebody else to kick ideas off. Of. So I've been co-writing almost since day one, finding different people to work with. And uh, you know, if you find somebody that's just You know, I've written some really good songs because I really
1: write with some very good writers,
0: and that's the key to it, surrounding yourself with great talent.
1: Now, you also, uh, there's a quote that you've said that's at your website talking about uh, songwriting, where where the songs come from, and it said there have been ups and downs, but that's where the songs come from. So I take it from that, you're having good times, you can write a song about that, and of course, when you're down, have challenges, you can can turn that into a song. And, uh, you know, a sad song isn't always about staying there. I think it helps people get through when they hear a sad song. It can actually kind of bring them around.
0: Yeah, well, it's the blues, really. And the blues help us, you know, help us define how we feel. Um, you know, you, you can't. It's, it's just all the. I think a sad song, is nothing else. One of my favorite songs of all time, and this, when I was a kid growing up, this record was played in our house a lot. It was called "Together Again." It was with Buck Owens, and it's a happy, sad song. And I've just never. And I, I think this is me missing you. Was kind of patterned after that. It, it's a. It's a. You know, it's a song about. You know, hope, but it's also got a sad undertone to it. Um, there's something about that. It's like a double-edged sword, or a, you know, it's got two feelings hitting you at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. and, and as a, as a songwriter, that's always fun to explore those the the understory of a song. And I, when I listen to music, I'm always listening. You know, what was the you know uh, Eleanor Rigby is one of my favorite songs. It's like there's an understory there going that you don't know about. It's 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 just implied. So if you want to get depth and deep in songwriting, um, <laughs> you know that, that there's always that, and I and I'll go there. And, I, and most of my songwriting friends too, we always kind of look at the undertone of uh, what's going on. And You know, and at the end of the day, it's three chords and the truth, and that's
1: the, that's the
0: uh, that's the truth about songwriting. That's
1: what it, that's what it comes down to for sure. Uh, we've got the song from your album coming up in just a bit. We'll get to the first one called Me Too. Is there anyone? Because you've had a lot of your songs recorded, I mentioned some of the names. We're going to talk about them later on, including Martina McBride. Is there anybody, James, on your list of dream pitches that you've got a song for? You're just trying to get it to them. Um, Tony Bennett. I,
0: cool. I've, I've had this song called "Dream Time" that I that I wrote for Tony, and i was, if you see him out there. <laughs> um, in fact, he's been close. I just have never gotten to do it. He was already cutting the record. And the song's already picked, but. Yeah, he's wow. just one of my favorite song stylists and singers and from that old school. Um, uh, you know, of course, uh, George Jones wouldn't bring Kuwait. You know, he, nobody can twist a country song like him. So, oh, yeah. So, there's so many, you know.
1: Now, you've also had success outside of country music. I'll throw out these names. Tina Turner, Olivia Newton, John. Uh, that's pretty amazing. How, how did uh, you you end up with songs outside of the country genre? Um, the, the Olivia
0: Newton John thing was she was here in Nashville and I was invited to write with her. So her and I sat in my living room and wrote a song one afternoon, and that's how that worked. Um, it was just she was looking for a certain kind of. and It's pretty, you know, she was a country artist. It was very kind of um, very country song. So she cut it. when sure. she went back to Australia. The Tina Turner thing was just a was a fluke. A friend of mine here in Nashville is a pop writer, and I just was over visiting him. He said, "Come over, look at all my new gear, you know, all the great you know recording gear and <laughs> keyboards and Pro Tools and every toy that I didn't have in my house." And so I said, "Come on, let's just pop a you know groove on and see what happens." And that the song popped out of there within I, I mean fast twenty minutes done. Didn't even think twice about it. Just kind of let it go. It was nothing I was going to cut. Uh, and it, we just kind of set it aside. And, and about six months later, Tina was looking for songs. And she happened to be on Warner Brothers. He was a Warner Brothers writer. And she heard it. And they turned it into a dance song over for kind of the European market. But that's how that worked. Um, Rod Stewart cut one. He uh, It was a song that Raul Malo and I had uh, recorded uh, or written. And the Mavericks had recorded. And he just liked the Mavericks version. So, um, you know, look, if I could do that every day.
1: <laughs> That's pretty amazing. I mean, those three big names right there. When you're writing, I think you mentioned the Tina Turner song might not have been something you cut. Do you do you enjoy writing outside of your own voice? So there's songs you're going to put on your album because it says what you want to say and it fits with who you are. But is it fun to write outside of that and, and do a different style for someone else? Um,
0: that was just kind of a... a... You know, most of the time I'm sitting with him what I do. Although lately I, I, I've, I've been writing with a guy named Joe Bonamassa. And Joe is a rock guy and comes here to Nashville because he wants Nashville structure. So I've written with him, Gary Nicholson, other Nashville guys written with him. I ended up with five songs on the record. And it's Joe bringing what he wants to do musically. And he's just looking for that kind of structured Nashville style of lyric writing. So, um, mm-hmm. And I've loved it. I was in the Hammersmith, at the Hammersmith Apollo in London last month and he was sold out there for five nights. So I got to hear three of my songs sung in the Hammersmith and um, Apollo in London, which was a great thrill. Um, so that's kind of the writing through somebody is something I like. I, I, if I have something that I think I can offer, I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. But most of the time I sit and write and do what I do best and, and try and just express myself, uh, which is kind of country, country rock.
1: Let's hear an example of exactly that, James, from your album, Songwriter Serenade, which we're here to talk about. The song is called Me Too, and I'll let you tell uh, us a bit about the song. I know you co-wrote it, co-wrote it with a big hit uh, songwriter, Darden Smith. Tell us a bit about the song. Yeah, James. Darden, we uh, wrote it
0: with Darden, and half the proceeds from this download, and there's t-shirts on JamesHouseMusic.com. not to make a plug too much. All the, Half to the 50% of all the proceeds from t-shirts and the downloads from Me Too, Go to uh, Songwriting with Soldiers. Uh, It's Darden's Charity, and I'm going to be a part of that coming up. Uh, We're doing a seminar next month. Uh, So uh, it's called Me Too.
1: Let's hear the song now. My guest, James House. Brand new music, Me Too, on In the Country.
2: Take some time
1: It's a great new song from my guest, James House. It's on his brand-new album, Songwriter's Serenade, which is available at iTunes, and you can visit him online at jameshousemusic.com. And, James, that, that is a great track, and I'm sure it applies to that song and also a song like This Is Me Missing You, songs of yours that uh, listeners hear, and it helps them through a time in their life, and maybe you've probably heard stories over the years about how your songs have had that kind of impact.
0: Well, it's always... Um uh, flattering to you know or, or just uh, it means a lot. If I, if if anything, it just if when somebody says, well, hey, this song uh, meant means something to them. I like got over the years, broken wing has uh, garnered that, and and mm-hmm. you know, funny, ain't that lonely yet has been uh, from the songwriters around the, the world. I've run into some of the rockers. They just for some reason that that title of that song, the Dwight song, um, right, uh, was uh,
1: resonated with them. It, 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 I always find it so interesting because a songwriter, an artist, you know, writes a song in seclusion sometimes or with or with a co-writer or two. But until you send it out into the world, just to know that kind of impact. So you, it's something that you can relate to and maybe it's a heartache you've gone through or a lesson you wrote, learned, that kind of thing. But when you send it out to the world and other people respond and it has uh, a significance in their lives.
0: Yeah, um, you know, the hits are the ones you just, to keep the to stay there with with people. This is me missing you, um, for some reason. It was a hit for me. It, it just resonated with people, and it took off over in in UK on the dance scene. Twenty years later, it was, went number one over there uh, back in two thirteen. It's been in the top ten mm. over there and then in the country dance world. For uh, it took off, and then it just kind of people rediscovered the record. They've been buying the record, so I went over there and toured. Um, so yeah, you know the. Um, it's always the hits. It's, I'm not in the same way. I'm a fan of music. I'm just a big fan of music, basically, who, who just loves to keep making music. But, you know, I've got something about songs and everybody I know that's listening that loves music out there um, that, you know, it, you can smell. The, the same smells come back when the song comes on and reminds you of a time, you know,
1: put you right back
0: where you were. And a good yeah. song will always help us define how we feel, you know. So, I mean, when they're good, so. And the other one's just entertain us and make us want to dance and party. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's right, and we need those too. We kinda need that balance to pay. Uh, gotta have a yeah. lot of that night. <laughs> that's right, some songs are just there to make us feel good And that's, that's an awesome thing uh, I, This is a fascinating thing that you do And I saw it at your website And I know you've got some shows coming up Writers on the Storm It's kind of a songwriters thing But I'll let you talk about it But I love the two artists you're joined by Deborah Allen And I had a chance to interview her a couple of years ago uh, Baby I Lied and on and on Great songs And John Barry, another okay. one of my favorites from the 90s I mean, so many great songs from him Tell, tell me about the three of you and Writers on the Storm Right, well,
0: it's the three of us. Going to, you know, we've known them both for you know years, and just dear people and love their music. um, um, We just kind of the opportunity happened. I was working with Deborah. I was getting ready to do her show. We were talking about wouldn't be fun to go out and John and I just had written with John anyway. Long long story short, hey, let's why don't we see what happens and put the three of us together. and and it's just that, you know, we're actually we're going to play the Bluebird here coming up in a couple of weeks just to, you know, hear the songs in the room, all of us together. So, you know, it's a, it, when people come out and see a show like that, they get, you know, in 90 minutes, they get nothing but hits. <laughs> mm.
1: So nice. that's, that
0: ought to be a fun show. And I'm looking forward to playing it because I want to hear their music. You know, I get to sing with them.
1: That's also fun. I love singing harmony. And, um,
0: John uh, and Deborah's songs are lend themselves to sing harmony with us. So,
1: that would be an awesome evening because between the three, among the three of you, uh, so many hit songs. And, and I love hearing songs done acoustically. We know the produced versions, but it's great just to hear a guitar and you know a little bit of harmony on it. It, it just brings a little more magic to the song.
0: Yeah, no, that's always fun in the show. I like it when they break it down. I mean, we're going to do both. We'll have a full band, and,
1: but we'll definitely
0: take the time in
1: the middle and do a
0: couple of tracks each or song each. And yeah, there's there's nothing like that. Um, it's always one of my favorite parts of any concert. Uh, we just saw Paul McCartney recently, and his acoustic uh, song in the middle was "Blackbird." You know, so
1: <laughs> oh nice. It was it was
0: like yeah, as good as it gets. You, <laughs> you know, songs are your ammunition for your shows, and. You know.
1: mm-hmm. Now, speaking of songwriting, uh, you're specifically, James. I'm going to play a medley here of three songs, and then I'll, when we come back, I'll ask you to talk about it, a little bit about each of them. Songs people right. are going to recognize. I'm just going to play them so that we kind of just uh, have them fresh in mind. But we got Martina McBride, "A Broken Wing," Dwight Yoakam, right. "Ain't That Lonely Yet." You mentioned those two earlier, and "Diamond Rio" in a week or two. So we got a little medley here. We'll come back and talk more right. with you, James. All right. And those are three huge hits that feature my guest, James House, as a songwriter on each of them. They all did well for those artists. Everybody remembers those songs. Let's start with the Martina McBride song, A Broken Wing. What can you tell me about that song, James? Um, well, it was just, it started off, uh, there was
0: nothing there that day, uh, song-wise. Nobody had any idea what we were going to do. Um, <clears throat> we um, I, used, I had a, a recording studio that I kept booked every Friday to go and work over at Sony Tree, so um, I got there about 10 in the morning, and my co-writers, I called them up and said, I don't have any ideas. Just show up about uh, 1 o'clock. So I started a track at 10 o'clock. I got in there and just started. I heard the melody and the music. And at 1 o'clock, by the time uh, Sam and Phil got there, Phil Hogan, Sam, Bar- uh, uh, Sam Hogan, Phil Barnhart, um, I'd had the track pretty well going and the melody going. And Phil said, I've, I've got this title um, uh, called A Broken or just called Broken Wing. And um, and you think it'll fit in there, and I said, well, let's just kind of play with it. And we started talking about what it should be about, and it was odd because I had somebody in my family going through a very difficult time in a relationship, and going through an abusive relationship. So we we went there with the song and started writing it. Um, and and at between ten and I started the track, and we were done at five o'clock, and the song was done. And and it was just one of those. At the end of the, it was written. We were writing there. For my record for my next album But I knew at the end of the day It would be a more more powerful song If uh, a female artist sang it Because um, she could be the Advocate of oh, right. the song And not just the storyteller Like a mm-hmm. male singer like I would have been So <clears throat> um, I go on the road And a couple of weeks later I hear um, Faith Hill's got it on hold And I thought well this is really good So um, mm-hmm. you know I, I, And then a week later I hear She's not going to sing it Because was going to have a baby But the other that was the bad news. The good news was Martina McBride was going to cut it. So. Um, and I was, I was, it was great because I didn't have to stress over it. I wasn't here in town. I was out on the road t- touring a lot, so that was keeping me, um, keeping me distracted. Uh, <laughs> and then I get back in town from the road, and I heard Martina, and they played it for me, and I just fell over. I knew, I knew it was a special record. And so, and it, you know, went on to be number one and got nominated for Song of the Year. and so, so it's, it was a, just
1: a gift. Great song, and, and Martina's powerful vocals. I mean, man, they just soar on that song. And and, and the three songs we're talking about, uh, your versions of them can be heard on your album, Broken Glass, Twisted Steel. People want to hear your voice on them at uh, iTunes. The other one we heard in the set, you with Costas, and I've seen his name on so many songs over the years, and it was the song for Dwight Yoakam, Ain't That Lonely Yet.
0: Right, and it's like I said, right with great writers, and he's one of the best. Um, that was one of those songs that we were actually working on something else for a couple of hours and it wasn't going anywhere. We took a break and just, you know, he, we started talking for a moment. And I was, I'd been, I was breaking up with a girlfriend and he said, you guys getting back together? And I was kind of, you know, being smart, and I said, no, I ain't that lonely yet. He said, well, we should write that. And so we did. And we spent about 20 minutes, you know, 30 minutes working on the song. I started the melody, he started writing lyrics and we both looked up in a little bit, we put everything together and, and it was done. And, uh, um, you know, it was. I, I, I didn't know what we had at that point. I, I remember about a week later, we put it down on a on a work tape real quick. Just that's all we did. Um, about two weeks later, uh, I was or about a week later, I was out doing getting ready. To, I was sitting in with somebody, and they you know, they asked me to come up and sit in and do a song on one of the rounds here in town. And, And I'd never done that song live, and I thought, well, I'll just try this. And I sang it, and the place went crazy. I went, oh boy, I think we might have one here. And sure enough, the following week, Costas calls me from L.A. and he had played it for Dwight, and and Dwight cut it and turned it. Dwight did a phenomenal job
1: turning it into a hit.
0: So Mm -hmm. Um, there you go. That was uh, just one of those other
1: wonderful, wonderful happening in the moment uh, kind of songs. Wow, such a great song from his This Time album. And then we had Diamond Real, and they're one of my favorite groups. I mean, their vocals are awesome. They've had so many great songs over the years. Uh In a week or two that you wrote with Gary Burr, it's got such a great right. message on it that the guy and girl break up, and, I mean, he was going to do all these things. He just hadn't got around to it in a week or two. It's kind of a song about regret, but I'll let you uh tell us all about the song, James. Yeah, it's, a
0: you know, amazing a song about procrastination ever got
1: written.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, it, Gary is a great writer. I, I Once again, I had it kind of just started, just a little bit of the nugget of the TI title and, and I think a bit of the verse. Um, and Gary, I called him up and I just thought, well, he'd be great to work on this one. I took it over and Gary just brought it home. And then we went and recorded it. Um, I recorded it with uh, Monty Powell, who had written This Is you Missing with you. He's a great art, uh, songwriter, producer here in Nashville, one of the best. Um, We'd cut it for, uh, we were working on on trying to get me another record deal. So we'd finished the demo, and uh, just it was new, and they had a special song. As soon as we, when we finished it, he was also working on Diamond Rio's record. He was producing them, and he called me late that night, late after we'd finished it and said, look, I know this song would be great for you, but I've got Diamond Rio coming up, and uh, we still need a single for their record. And uh, if we cut it, I promise you it will be a single what can you say? You know, I mean, they were hot on yeah. the pistol. I was a big fan. And,
1: yeah, said, mm-hmm. of course,
0: what could we'll, we'll go wrong? What we'll would be the worst thing that would happen. It would be a big hit.
1: So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it was. It we went to number one and
1: just yeah. with it. It was such a great song, and it is. People can find all those songs, your versions or uh, the versions from those artists, of course, on iTunes. It was great to go back and, and, and listen to those again. Uh, I'm going to get to over getting over you, your duet with Natalie Noon, in just a moment. But uh, tell me about when you moved to Nashville, James. Uh, you grew up in Sacramento, California. lived in L.A. for a while, pursuing music, and then Nashville, uh, 1988. Uh, for anybody who you know heads there for the first time, is, is, it, a, is it an adjustment to uh, find your way into the music community there? Well, I'd, I'd been in music
0: all my life, so I, I just had been around those people. And when I was living in Lake Tahoe, I got a record deal with Warner Brothers. Um, so I was lucky. Um, and they brought me down to Los Angeles, and they ended up moving down there. And the record didn't pan out, but um, I was working a lot in Los Angeles doing uh, movie sound scores and jingles, and I had a publishing deal. Uh, the the way I got into Nashville is that I was uh, I went and cut some – I went back to my. I was kind of cutting rock or whatever, just trying to find my way to, to find the music that worked for me. And I, um, I went and cut some uh, country. I wrote some songs. I wrote some country flavored songs. And my publisher, happened to know Gary. Uh, I mean, uh, Tony Brown out here is one of the great producers of all time of Nashville. He's produced a hundred number ones. So she sent it out to, to Tony, and he was head of MCA at that point, and He gave me a record deal. So that got me out to Nashville. Um, I was just extremely lucky. I just was immediately came out and, you know, people wanted to be my friend because I had a record deal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's always great when one one of your friends, you know, has made it and you, you can try to follow in that path, I guess.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, but, you know,
0: it's like if people ask how you get in this business. It's like anything. It's just a people business. Um, to, so I could make friends here. I'd, I'd go hang out at all the, you know, the Bluebirds and all those places, and just hung out and listened. And eventually, you start talking and get to know people. And I was at every, every songwriter thing you could go to here in Nashville when I got here. Like, just went to all the. There's so many great resources. BMI. There's uh, NSAI. And, um, like I said, there's music every night here, and you'll you'll find a crew of people pretty quickly. And one thing about Nashville is very open to new talent. It's not, there's not a closed door here, especially when it comes to songwriters and new artists, because, you know, that's the lifeblood of this town. So everybody's open to new, new
1: talent. Let's turn to a uh, song from your album, which we're talking about, Songwriter Serenade. Uh, this is the one we talked about it earlier. It's doing really well. Cameron Tilbury was giving me updates on the song, and I was reading at your website as well. Over Getting Over You, which you sing with your co-writer, Natalie Noon. And, and again, we talked before, your two voices sound great together, and you talked about how the, a bit about how the song came together. Tell me maybe a little something else about the song, James, and then we'll share it with our listeners. Um.
0: You know, it was, it was just kind of we just had fun sitting here at my, in my uh, my writing room. Um, the title kind of just said what to do, so we just went kicked records mm-hmm. and lyrics back and forth. You sing that, I'll sing this, and I'll come in here. We just tried to really style it like you would a classic country song. I mean, uh, Conway had, and and uh, Loretta were a great duet. You know, you had Dolly and and Kenny, and so in mm-hmm. the traditional sense of country, I was looking. I thought, well, let's just do this like a like they wouldn't in a, a, a traditional country duet song, so that's that's how we approached it.
1: It's a great song. Can't wait to share it now with everyone. My guest, James House, joined by Natalie Noon, over getting over you on in the country. What a great song from my guest, James House, joined by Natalie Noon. They wrote the song together. They're singing it together over Getting Over You. It's on James' latest album called Songwriter's Serenade, and you can head to iTunes uh, to get that album. You can also head to jameshousemusic.com to learn more about him. And, James, this happened last year, but I'm sure it's really fresh and exciting in your memory. Your Grand old opera debut in May of 2014, uh, and I think that mm-hmm. night uh, Bill Anderson and Vince Gill were also on the show.
0: Yeah, I, I was just thrilled to be able to finally play the Opry, and it, it somehow had gotten by us in the 90s. And my manager, Brian Smith, made that happen, and, and it was it was just awesome. That uh, he First thing he asked me when he was, was going to manage me, have you ever been on the Opry? And I said, no. He was like, no, you're kidding. Well, we are got to make that happen. So, yes. <laughs> and, you know, the, one of the things about the Opry, they have a debut dressing. The whole deal backstage is a whole nother show. And you can, I, I highly recommend if you go to the opera, you can take a backstage tour because there's as much of a show going on back there as there is out front. Um, and and when you're a debut, they put you in the debut dressing room so people come by and stare at you. You know, <laughs> are you nervous? You know, no, go on. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was um, it was even more incredible to have bill is a, a dear old friend bill anderson um be the host and and vince was there vince i've known vince since i moved to town he was actually sang harmony on my first album i did for mca so i've known vince for uh for 20 years and plus and he's just uh, he's brilliant he's a great guy and of course we, we all know how brilliant a talent he is so to have them both there was
1: very special yes that's awesome to uh to be at the grand old opera into a major debut on the on the songwriting side of things, you talked about all the songs that you write and you pitch at this point, James, or over the years, have you had great songwriters pitch you songs they thought would be just right for you? Do you ever record songs that other people send you
0: i I haven't since my first couple of records, so um, I did cut a song on my second uh m c a record called "Oh, what a Thrill." It was a Jesse Winchester song. That um, I, I just loved It got pitched to me by his people I was a big fan of Jesse And he just recently passed away um, you, it, That song ended up getting recorded on um, At Mavericks They called me up Raul did And said do you mind if we cut uh, Over to Thrill And I said no It's, it's not my song and Yeah I mean it's, it's a great one So That it happened to be And it turned into their biggest hit And I sang harmony on their record So um, That's the last thing I really cut That was an outside song So um, I really, I really, and you know, I, you never know. You might do a whole record of just, if I was going to do that, I think I would do a whole album of songs I didn't write.
1: That would be a cool idea and just yeah, showcase those, and Bob, those songwriters. Bob Dylan just, Bob Dylan just did it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> of, all, of all people, he did torch songs, you know.
1: So. Oh wow. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Now now along those lines, if you did an album like that, other people's songs and we're doing something different here. Uh James, who would you like to join you on an album like that? In other words, we've got Natalie Noon on this album, but other people you haven't worked with that you'd sing with, who would you like to have on a future project? Uh
0: it goes on and on. Um you know, Reba would be awesome. Martina would still be great. Um well, it would be great. Um uh, you know, as far as the guy singers out there, I'm a big fan of you know Jim Lauderdale. Him and I sang together recently. We did a, a, a thing, and so I'm a fan of Jim's. And it just goes on. Um, you know, uh, gosh, uh, writing wise, I always you know Bill's always great to work with. But there's so many great singers here in town. Um, you know, and you can find some people outside that we wouldn't normally think. Um, would be want to do a country record with but if i thought you know if i put my mind to it i think it would be uh the
1: list would be longer than i could uh get on
0: get on tape because <laughs> so, many, so many great great singers out there I like to. Watch it's that.
1: true yeah, yeah it's true and uh each one has their own style and as you said even if you drew from other genres i mean uh yeah. you know it could be it could be a double album before uh before too long for sure we're going to get to your next song from the album uh, from songwriter Sarah Nate called No Mercy, which is a beautiful song, and we'll get the story behind that. But in general, I wanted to ask you about songwriting, James, because I have a lot of listeners who are, uh, if they're not an artist who's a songwriter, they might be just a non-performing songwriter, but people always want to pick up tips on how to write better songs. Is there anything you can share with us that helped you or that you've seen other people do that, that helps those songs get better? Um. That's a good question. How do you how do you
0: get to the, the getting the, the, to the truth of the songs uh, and and keep um, rewriting and writing and writing and writing, going over and honing it down and honing it down is I think uh, something that I've seen really successful writers do a lot. They're just not the first thing that pulls out of their head. They they're constantly reshaping and working in the melody and the lyrics. So. So by the time it comes out as a song, it just feels like it's a natural piece of work and not a forced piece of work. It just sounds like, well, it's always been there. And my songs are never really written until, and, and that's why I have my own studio and I, and I, and I enjoy it because um, I just keep, you know, I, I do my work tape and I always, there's something always on the first thing that's always usually you want to stay close to usually on your, just your first initial work there's usually a gist there, some kind of rhythm thing that, that works for me that i usually always go back to but phrasing wise i'm always um um, working and and twisting and and just just so many ways to phrase a word you know we glide on our vowels which is a great piece of advice i heard from a vocal teacher so as you're you're phrasing out your song look for your vowel to hang out there for your singer um it's stuff like that and it's you know and it's really getting to the truth of the song and and as human beings you know you know it's it's we try not to i try not to be too clever of a writer I try and just get down to what you know what what the heart would uh, uh, wanna know what what uh, what that song's supposed to be about so mhm.
1: Great advice, and uh, people can also listen back to your songs, past and present, and, and pick up uh, structure tips and just sort of to see how you've you've written a song. And, and let's have another example of that right now, James. Again, the album is Songwriter's Serenade, 10 tracks uh, that are available at iTunes. Uh, and, James, this one is called No Mercy. And what can you tell us about this song?
0: Well, you know, I went down to Austin to write with uh, Monty Warden from. Uh, He's my friend down there, and I've I've known him forever, and I've always wanted to write with him. Um, He had started this song, and just had the the verse going, and um, he played it for me, and I thought he he thought it was the chorus. I thought you got to start it there. So my first my first feeling with that song was like start it with what he had, and. And I mean, it was you know, when I was recording it. Until I recorded, then I realized it wants to jump up an octave. And do the uh, um, you know the, kind of a Roy Orbison take on the on the song. So mm. um, you know the the idea is, is no mercy K N O W to know it. No know mercy, mm-hmm. in your heart is you know, hurting, and not you know no know is you no know, no mercy for you. It's to know it and, and to know kindness and compassion, especially when uh, you're hurting, and be kind
1: to yourself. That's really what the gist of the song is about. Mm. It's a beautiful song, and let's share it with our listeners now. James House and No Mercy on In the Country. Such a beautiful and powerful song there from James House. The song is called No Mercy. And James, man, that is a moving song.
0: Thanks, Dad. Thank
1: you. Really enjoyed that. I know that's going to have an effect on people. The entire album is called Songwriter's Serenade 10 Great Tracks. And it is available, as I've said before, at iTunes, so be sure to check it out. You'll find uh, other albums of James there as well, going back to, uh, you know, his first albums, great songs. Uh, JamesHouseMusic.com is the website to visit to learn more about him. And, James, I just want to thank you so much. It's been great to having this time to chat with you. I appreciate it. Big shout-out to Cameron Tilbury for setting things up. Uh, Always great to have Cameron uh, send a great guest my way. And, again, my guest has been James House. I'm Dave Woods. Be sure to check out more of my interviews at inthecountryinterviews.com.